Hello, my name is Jillian. My name is Yolanda, and welcome to The Pemberley Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another special episode of The Pemberley Podcast in which we interview writers and cast of the series. And this week, we got to interview writer of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries and Emma Approved, Kate Rorick. Woo! It was like... It was such a joy having her over. It was different because she brought her little baby daughter, Maddie. Yeah. So we we got a two for one deal. Yes. We technically had two guests on. We welcome all babies. Yes. <laughs> and Kate was great. She told us all yeah. about um, not only writing the series, but about writing the and co-writing the books uh, about Lizzie and Lydia. And uh, it was great having her on and hearing what she had to say about her experience. Yeah, Kate's had a really amazing career and getting to be both an author of these historical romance novels, but also being a TV writer, these different ways of of storytelling, you could say. A lot of times people feel like they have to choose one or the other, and she's proven that you can do both, which is awesome. Yeah, Um, she does it all. Yeah. (laughs) She brings babies to podcast interviews. (laughs) (laughs) So we hope you enjoy this interview. Without further ado, Kate Rorick. Welcome back, everyone. We've got a very special episode today. We are joined by Kate Rorick and her daughter, Maddie. Um, (laughs) Kate is a writer. uh, She's written for television, for Lizzie Bennet Diaries, and she's a romance novelist. She's written for um, Law & Order, Terra Nova, Librarians, and also you wrote on Emma Proofed. I did write on Emma Proofed, yes. Yes. Wonderful. And she also wrote The Secret Diary of Lizzie Bennet, and the Epic Adventures of Lydia Bennett. I co-wrote the Epic Adventures. Co-wrote, that's right, yes. with, with Rachel Kiley. Yes. And Maddie still has her future ahead of her. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. This is delightful. Thank you. So why don't you start by telling us at first what brought you out to L.A.? Like, oh, dream, job, whatever. Well, uh, yeah, what brought me out to L.A. is I got a job. Um, awesome. I, I got a degree in uh, TV and film. I knew I wanted to work in TV and film. And I knew to do that, I had to move to New York or Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. I chose to move to New York because I'm from the East Coast and I was kind of a pussy about driving <laughs> and stuff like that. So I moved to New York and I worked in TV there for a while on Law & Order, like you said, um, on a show called Kings. And then I got a job out here. So I picked up and I moved out here. And three months later, the like job folded. Oh, no. Uh, but <laughs> As jobs sometimes do. As jobs sometimes do. But I had already moved all of my stuff. I had bought a car. I had gotten a boyfriend. And I'm kind of like, who's now my husband? Oh, oh great. great. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, well, I guess I'm staying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what brought me out to Los Angeles. Wow. Um, what was the job that brought you out here? It's called um, Day One. It was on NBC. I was a staff writer on it. And awesome. it was a show show about a an alien attack essentially and there is an apartment complex in Van Nuys and you basically follow the lives of the people in the apartment complex as they are dealing with this alien attack. Wow, okay. Yeah. Wow, so you came out here as a staff writer already. Yeah, well that's I knew I wasn't gonna come out here without a job. Yeah. Okay. That was that was my uh, deal with myself. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be like a writer for TV? I knew that I wanted to be in TV and film since I was 15 or so. I had a job at a movie store in the Annapolis Mall where I became like a resident expert on all the stuff that was on the shelves because like my pastime when the when it was slow was reading the backs of the VHX boxes. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> the VHS boxes. So I like, I just collected all this data 
data and I would always get to like choose which movies that we watched. You had to like alternate between one movie of your choice and one movie that was a new release. So, you know, once you got tired of watching Air Force One again, <laughs> I would put on like the 1955 Sabrina and stuff like that. So. <laughs> That's awesome. You'll teach people things. Yes, exactly. So how did you also, because you're also a romance novelist, how mm-hmm. did you start off writing for romance novels? That's not a film and TV thing. Well, no, but it's also, but it's very much a storytelling thing. And I always loved storytelling. And I was reading romances from a, a, an impressionable age. When I was 13, my, um, my cousin came to visit for the summer, and she had gotten like this tiny little category paperback romance. There wasn't anything beyond kissing in it. Mm. Um, but she brought it with her because she read it on the plane and I took the book and ignored my cousin <laughs> and devoured it four times over. And then I read Jane Austen at a very impressionable age, 15, you know. I, I like to say I've been waiting for Mr. Darcy to show up ever since and since mm. then I've settled, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if Colin Firth came to my door, my sure. husband and I were going to have a conversation, but... <laughs> I feel like yeah. a lot of us have had to have those conversations. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. do you have a favorite romance book of all time? Uh, well, we're talking like modern day, recently written historical romance novels. I would say Lisa Claypass's Dreaming of You is pretty formative for me. Anything that Julia Quinn wrote in the Bridgerton series was pretty, like, I pretty much was just like, well, this is what I want to do. Jane Austen-wise, I feel like Persuasion is her best book. Mm. It is her like definitive, mature book. And Pride and Prejudice is obviously my favorite book of hers. Uh, So, yeah. That's awesome. All right. So you're in L.A. and you Mm -hmm. the job folded. What was after that? After that, I got another job. Um, (laughs) And then I got another job and another job. And that's what you do when you're a TV writer in Los Angeles is that you just keep going from job to job to job. And then eventually I ended up on, um, I'm skipping stuff. No, (laughs) I was just about to be like, what was the job that led to the Lizzie Bennet Diaries? Uh, the job that led to the Lizzie Bennet Diaries is sort of roundabout because if you're going to go that way, then I would say it's because of day one, because day one is where I met Margaret Dunlap mm. and we became friends. And Margaret got on to the Lizzie Bennet Diaries early on. Like she was one of the first people on it. And she told Bernie, hey, have you met my friend Kate? Uh, she writes romance novels. She knows all this stuff. She's probably memorized Pride and Prejudice. And uh, he's like, no, but you know, we'll bring her on later. And they brought me on later. I came in around the first episode I wrote was episode 35. Wow, so that was like... That was a third, a third of the way through. 35% of the way through the series. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any catching up that you had to do? Well, I watched it, obviously. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I got to... Uh, we were writing episodes, episodes in the 30s we were writing while we were filming the episodes in the 20s, essentially. So wow. I watched the filming of the episodes in the 20s, so I think, learned how... Uh, the process went essentially. Hmm. Yeah. And, and coming on in later, then, um, what did you think of the adaptation? Being a fan of Jane Austen's work. Well, honestly, I before I started working on Lizzie Bennet Diaries, I was sort of a Jane Austen purist. Okay. Like yeah. I kind of reviled all the books that are like yeah. Mr. Darcy's letters and you know <laughs> and uh, Pemberley after and things like that. I was sure. just like, why? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> But uh, conversely, I also really loved Richard Jones when it came out. Okay. Um, so I 
don't think I was adverse to a modern day adaptation. It just has to be done well. Mm -hmm. uh, and luckily, they were doing it very well. Mm. I really appreciated the updates that they made, making it three sisters instead of five, because let's be realistic. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we don't have a ton of families with five kids in their culture. That's a little yeah. bit little bit stranger, but it also changed the dynamic of the sisters' relationship mm -hmm. um, and uh, just the communicative aspects of Lizzie uh, and Elizabeth Bennet. They're talkers, essentially. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite Pride and Prejudice adaptation? I I mean, you gotta go with your first, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's the Colin Firth one. It's, <laughs> it's the six-hour uh, BBC. I had the box set on VHS. I have the box set now on DVD. I've got, you know, it's it's constantly in my Netflix queue. It's it's always there. It's the constant mainstay. <laughs> I spent my senior year of high school basically watching that and doing nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. A lot of people, have, I feel like there's a lot of mixed reviews about the Kira Knightley version in the Jane Austen community. Thoughts? I, well, I feel like, actually, it was a very good adaptation in the fact that they had to fit it into two hours. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I thought that she and Matthew McFadden had great chemistry and they captured a lot of what makes that pairing compelling. I thought that the tacked on ending for American audiences really annoyed me, but I still saw it five times in the theater. <laughs> Just the one where they're like sitting outside Pemberley? Yeah, they're sitting outside Pemberley and let's kiss. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. yeah. And they're being really cutesy and you're kind of yeah. like, God, just take the sugar and pour it in the water, would you please? <laughs> Boston Tea Party business. Yeah. Did you have any favorite episodes that you wrote? Yes. Um, <laughs> I wrote, uh, let's see, I, I obviously, I wrote the, you know, the first time they kiss and they I wrote the first, uh, when they have that, you know, Darcy does costume theater episode and those were great, but my favorite episode I wrote was... 72, which is the Mary episode. Yes. And I like that one because it wasn't supposed to be much of anything. It was yeah. just sort of like this time is passing, stuff is going on. And sure. I was like, and we needed somebody for Lizzie to talk to. And I'm sitting there one evening near Margaret and near Bernie. And I'm just kind of like typing. I was like, I know it can't be Mary, but can it be Mary? Because she could be there at that party. And then the, the actress came in and she like just knocked it out of the park. Like, it was ridiculously knocked it out of the park. I'm sitting there choking on my laughter while she's performing because you can't make a sound while they're doing it. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's a really good memory and it really came together. And it also reflected a lot of, like, um, it's sort of, Mary comes in almost as a fan. Like, so mm. Lizzie's sort of getting the perspective of people that have been watching that she doesn't necessarily see on a daily basis. Mm. That's great. No, that was some excellent bad acting on yes. Bionica Willow's yes. part. Mm -hmm. We, like, talked about that yes, for a long time on that episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, I mean, I wrote, I wrote down, like, Mary is terrible at costume theater. That's awesome. That is, like, <laughs> the sentence I wrote. That's, like, four or five words. And she just ran with it because Mary's terrible at performing in the book. She's terrible at piano. So I was like, well, let's let's play with this a little oh, bit. That's, cool. that's great, but instead of sucking at piano, she sucks at acting. Yes. <laughs> she sucks at being on, she performing, being on camera, being yeah. in front of people. That's great. Were you on set a lot then, or were just for the episodes that you wrote? Well, the way that we filmed is that we would write eight episodes, mm -hmm. uh, and then we would film them all in one day, all in one okay. weekend, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, you were on set for the episodes that you filmed because you mm -hmm. were there that day. Right. Um, yeah, most everybody was on set okay. uh, because you're not only the writer on set, you're occasionally, you, you know, your scarf has to be used for something and <laughs> you've got to like, it was a very 
it was a very much, all right, kids, let's get in the barn and put on a show type situation. Mm -hmm. So everybody pitched in. Okay. That's awesome. (laughs) So you also wrote the um, book for, or like the secret diary of Lizzie Bennett. At Mm -hmm. one point during like writing the web series, was it talked about? to do the book? Yeah. Okay. Around February of that year was like kind of a crazy Jane Austen nexus point because it was February 2013 was considered like the 200th anniversary of Pride and Prejudice. So it started to make the news. Around the same time that we were starting to like be really recognized and like all of the good stuff with Pemberley stuff, Pemberley digital stuff was happening. And so we were getting like this crazy amount of momentum and people were watching a lot. And then the sex tape hit and stuff like that. So Mm. there was, it was this crazy plot point nexus point as well. So that's when like we started talking about, we should like, you know, consider doing some more stuff within this world and uh bernie i believe just was getting pitched not necessarily he was pitching but he was getting pitched by by publishers Hmm. so he's like well then i guess we better you know go figure out what this would be Mm -hmm. so i wrote up like three pages of what the book would be and the first chapter and he took that and he sold it and so that's that's how that happened how long did it take you to finish it it didn't take me that long to finish the book honestly because I knew the subject so well. Hmm. And I find that when I'm writing, the hardest part for me is if I don't have a roadmap. Uh, okay. In this, I had a great roadmap. Basically, I spent two, three weeks once the series was over just rewatching the series and writing down everything that happened in terms of in the calendar and then filling in what would happen in between those events on, on screen mm-hmm. and hmm. then what I needed to have happen then. Hmm. And so those became like the tiny chapters within the books. Okay. How did you decide what would be like a behind the scenes thing? Because I feel like it's kind of what the book is. It's like behind the scenes. Well, it's the stuff that you, that connects each, everything together. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it, it's, it happens just sort of naturally. It's like, well, oh, obviously we're going to talk about this. Obviously we're going to see the party that she had to go to. Uh, we're going to see, you know, her walking through San Francisco. This is, this is the stuff that happened that we didn't get to see necessarily that we only re- referred to. That, the really cool thing about it is like you really get to sort of flesh out more things and sort of fill in more of these like gaps that are there. Mm-hmm. So like the decision for um, Jane to have that the pregnancy scare. Yeah. How did that decision come about? Yeah. I well, first of all, there was a great debate um, amongst me and Bernie essentially mm-hmm. because we were the only ones that were caring at this point was whether or not. Jane and being more sexually active. And I'm like, she's 26 years old. She's living (laughs) in his house for a month. Of course they are. Um, And, you know, and it's part of being that deeply in love with somebody. Hmm. I was like, because she fell hard for him and he did for her. So I don't think you have, in the modern day, you have that deep of a connection without there being a sexual component to it. Hmm. Um, Maybe that's just the romance novelist in me talking. Um, so I don't think she would have been hurt as badly if she hadn't, you know, Hmm. had, uh, that kind of relationship. That in mind, there also was sort of like a bit of a, what, what could possibly make Bing feel that Jane is keeping stuff from him Hmm. or, or make Bing feel that Jane is not, you know, right for him. Yeah. They're both keeping stuff from each other, essentially, because we didn't have that in the web series. We Hmm. had it in, for Bing in the web series because he quit school. Right. Um, but we didn't have it for Jane. And I was just like, well, you 
communication is important. That's kind of the entire basis of Pride and Prejudice itself is that we yeah. have to communicate better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we just decided that. I decided. Yeah. I made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because it seems like a big thing that, like, it wasn't discussed in the writer's room. You're like, no, this is what it is. I always assumed that there was more there, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, that's, like, sort of one of the most behind-the-scenes-ish parts of it that, like, I think yeah. you wouldn't have guessed that by watching the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a question from your website. You said that your favorite quote... You said what your favorite quote is from the Lizzie Bennet Diaries that you've yep. written. Mm-hmm. And then you said your favorite quote from the book was on page 372. Yeah. And we had to, like, check. And <laughs> we want to know if we guess right, if you'll tell us. You guessed us. right. You <laughs> guessed right. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> like, the part where he says, I haven't watched it, but my assistant has. Just kidding. No. Uh, <laughs> like, you got it so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, second to last one where he's like, Lizzie, come back to bed. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We came up with a backup just in case, just in but we're case. like, that's our favorite. What, what was the backup? The backup was the last sentence, I suppose, emails can wait. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's well, a nice, yeah. like, ending on the mm-hmm. word or something. Yeah. yeah. I think it's very interesting, because, like, Lizzie Bennett is most known for its transmedia aspect. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the book continues the transmedia part of it? I think it uh, certainly does, because it's just, it's another form of media. Mm-hmm. It's telling the same story in another form of media. It happens to be older than... Mm-hmm. Twitter, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think that it's it expands the universe in you know the same way that the Marvel movies and TV shows connect together mm-hmm. and expand their universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was there ever any discussion about any other characters other than Lizzie and Lydia getting their own book? Not really. Um, we we knew Lizzie was going to get a book. We didn't know Lydia was going to get a book, but we had a two book contract, so we had another oh, okay. book that we could play with and I I was pretty adamant that I wanted it to be Lydia because Lydia didn't get a follow-up story hmm. um, she her story sort of just stops uh, and I was just like well I want to see I want to see her get to her resolution to her version of a happily ever after I want to see I want to feel okay with where she is at the end of this hmm. uh, and Rachel was up for it um, so we, you know, we sat down, we hammered it out and <laughs> it was, it was not an easy writing process, partially because, um, I had very recently had my son. Oh, okay. So he's three now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I'm used to toting around kids. Uh, so Emma was never going to get her own book? Uh, Emma wasn't under discussion at that point in time. Um, Emma was really more, it uh, was its own thing. I... I don't know if they ever put together a pitch for it or anything like that. By the time the book had come out, I had moved on to Librarian, so I wasn't on Emma anymore. Hmm. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Web series or money. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that was the trade-off. <laughs> I did steal that joke from James Corden, though. It was when oh, he had the... Yeah. Yeah, he's like, so do you prefer theater or, or money? money. <laughs> that was fantastic. Did you get to be on set a lot for um, f- uh, filming The Librarians? Uh, yeah, um, well, we film up in Portland. Oh, wow. So, uh, which is great. It's lovely up there. So what you do is you go up for your episode. You go up for the prep and for the filming of the episode. And I find it's great to be there for filming, to see the scene work and to be able to talk to the actors and stuff. But it's so important to be there for prep. Mm-hmm. because prep is where you can make the big changes that need to be fixed because you'll present this script and they'll be like this is great this is the location that we have this sequence of events is not going to work can you switch this stuff around so we can work it within the confines of what we can do mm-hmm. 
and also be like, oh, this is the prop that we're building, and you can like really get a great feel for everything and and whatnot. So prep I find to be so so great to be up for. Filming eight episodes a day then on Lizzie Bennett Diaries, was there time for prep or was there really any big changes that happened to the scripts on those days? Well, this is why you spent so much time in Lizzie's bedroom. Okay. Mm. <laughs> um, because it's a one camera setup Yeah. and it, the background doesn't necessarily change unless there's a special thing going on, like there's a party or something in the background or you need to dress it for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And Katie Most was fantastic yeah. at all of that. But yeah, the, the prep in that is much more of a, all right, so we're prepping for just one camera setup. The lighting has to be this way. You don't have to worry. You can shoot very, very fast. Mm-hmm. And you've got a whole month to figure out and the script is uh, what the script are going to be and what the script is, what you need to see on the screen in those okay. episodes. Okay. So you actually do get a much longer prep time than a shoot time. Oh, okay. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really cool. Um, with your writing, you said you create like a roadmap before you get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the same for both TV and for books? Yes, very okay. much so. Um, I, uh, there, there's the, the romance community, they've got this thing, are you a plotter or a pantser? Hmm. Um, pantser being writing by the seat of your pants, letting the, you know, figuring <laughs> it out as you go kind of yeah. thing. I can't do that. Okay. Um, I have to figure it out in advance so I know what I'm writing towards. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, in that and that's very much a television staple because you don't get to write an episode of TV. You don't get to write the script until you've got an outline. Right. And the outline gets approved by mm-hmm. the studio, by the network, by everybody. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have to do it that way. And, but for me, I always know where a scene is starting and where it's ending, and it's the getting there. That's mm-hmm. where, that, where things get interesting. Mm-hmm. You, I feel like your books and your web series and your TV writing are all mm-hmm. very different genres. Like, See, I guess, you, I, I, I guess you, you're not the only one that feels that way. I don't feel that way. Okay. Um, because I always find that in TV, I write, uh, I, I've been writing sort of fantasy-esque uh, things with a touch of magic to them and requires a little bit of world build- building. Historical romance requires world building. Mm-hmm. And it's all narrative. It's all adventure. Um, there's so much adventure in, in romance novels. It's, it's, you know, I mean, the, the classic one is Romancing the Stone, mm. which is a romance novel as a movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. It's like is. 1983, Michael mm-hmm. Douglas and what's-her-face? Kathleen Turner, Kathleen 84 Turner. or 5, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I feel like there's more overlap than people necessarily see. Hmm. But That's you know. cool. Would you ever, like, write a fantasy element into any of your books? Sure. Yeah. Um, I would have to think of it first. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, that's my downfall is that I... I I'm very deliberate in my thought process, so it's kind of like I'm not an idea-generating machine. I don't have 50 ideas coming off the top of my head when I wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. so I have to... Uh, plus, you know, these guys take up so much of my brain now. Mm, I bet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now that the librarians have finished, do you know what's next for you? Well, the librarians, we finished filming season four. It's going to air on December 20th. Then we don't know if we're getting a season five. We never know until we air, so mm-hmm. we've got a couple months. Uh, basically, what I have to do right now is write another book, and I've got, um, I'm going out with pitches and development and all that lovely other stuff. That's exciting. Yeah, and, uh, hopefully, you know, land uh, on another show. I just like, I like the environment of working in television because Mm -hmm. I like being able to be collaborative, but also having your own voice in terms Mm -hmm. of writing. If you could choose only one of your books 
to adapt into a TV show or a movie? What would it be? Well, I would probably say Revealed or Let It Be Me. Revealed would probably make the better adaptation. Uh, I've got a book coming out in March, which is very mm-hmm. different for me. It's uh, it's contemporary women's fiction. Okay. It's not um, ro- uh, romance. So that one I think would actually make a pretty good movie. I just have to convince other people. Convince other people. To to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What made you want to diverse? I mean, yeah, because I mean, you it's sort of I know, like storytelling to you, but it, like feel it feels different to us. <laughs> well, I just wanted to explore something new, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's I I love historical romance and I will always be involved in it, but you're also kind of like, okay, how many dukes are there? Um, <laughs> did I use this name already? I, oh, I can't use this word because it wasn't in the lexicon until oh, 1850 kind yeah, of thing. And I, I kind of wanted to like take a break from that and say, all right, I'm going to write something modern and it's going to be, I, I don't have to check myself in that way. It's going to be a little bit more me on a page, I guess. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for being here and answering our questions. And Maddie, too. And well, Maddie, yes. thank you for, for tolerating us. <laughs> that wraps it up for this episode. Check out our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Pemberley. And if you'd like to talk to us directly or have any questions, email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. And to support the podcast, donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thepemberley, or leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people to find this podcast. You can find links to all of these pages on our WordPress page, thepemberleypodcast.wordpress.com, where we also include links to anything we mentioned on the show. Thanks again for listening. Bye! Bye.